Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here and welcome to The Daily Evolver. You can find all my stuff at dailyevolver.com. Today, my guest is my dear friend, Diane Mushel Hamilton, Zen teacher, integral teacher, and now co-author of the new book, Compassionate Conversations, which explores how, by simply talking to other people more consciously and skillfully, we are enacting evolution in the second person, or we space, which is an irreducible dimension of reality, for heaven's sakes. So, I hope you enjoy our conversation. We evolved just having it. Here's Diane. How are you? Are things I'm good. Except that good. we're in a pandemic. Do you finish every sentence with that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. And try to finish every thought so that I don't just show up as a spoiled brat who's actually in many ways likes the world this way. I know. Those you of know. us. I told you I'm starting a movement. Contemplative of the world's unite. <laughs> yeah. Except we never do because we don't want a movement. <laughs> we don't want to unite. No, we don't. We're we're just working with this existence as it is. Yes. Thank indeed. you, everyone. Well, the inst- introvert and the extrovert. Like actually, yeah. there's a really deeply introverted part, and there's a part of me that wants to engage. I don't want to be completely isolated. I want to actually be engaged in the world. But what is the what is that special special yep. mix? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well intentionally seeking to integrate it is the practice that we're, I think, doing here in general. Yeah. And Inter- you and Integral, I, that word of ours, huh? Yeah. And yeah. you and I are integral practitioners. We're both mm-hmm. integral teachers. So yes. You're a Zen teacher, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're both students of Ken Wilbur. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you and I have done so much together. I was thinking we've worked together now for 15 years. Has I've it been that? 2004. Yeah, 15 years. So that's significant. <laughs> yeah, so 15 we've... years we've done how many seminars and calls and events and whatever. Yeah. And in every case, I, I was just thinking about this apropos what we're talking about today, which is your mm-hmm. new book, Compassionate yeah. Conversations. Which Thank we'll, you. That's right. We'll get to yeah. in a minute. Just do a little flash of that. Yeah, there it is. There Compassionate it is. Conversations, yeah. subhead. How to speak and listen from the heart. How to speak and listen from the heart. About yeah. things that are hard for you. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing is right. that when I think of the events we did, the special mm-hmm. sauce that you brought versus me and Terry and everybody else mm-hmm. too. Right. I get up and I would talk and lead conversations about the politics and the culture and mm-hmm. all of that good stuff, and more in third person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you'd get up and uncork the bottles. <laughs> Yeah. And I don't cork some of those bottles. <laughs> 50 bottles at once. Uh, yeah. Yeah, those of you who are for abortion on this side of the room, those of you, uh, Jesus, I, I mean, I, would, I was frightened half the time. I know, me but too. There you'd be, and you would work, get everybody all worked up. Yeah. And then there you would lead us to a resolution that would be just the flavor of liberation itself. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the integration of so much of what was in the room already, but corked in the bottle, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And when I think of this book, I think of you're basically doing that in, in, in the process of moving the culture along in the mm-hmm. second person, in the we space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And doing it through uh, having better conversations with other people. Yeah. And some of, some of the reasons that we can do that are 
are actually kind of, I, I would say there's some really, really key elements of the integral map that are essential. And I think the first one is the, the conversation as, as literally just a phenomena in each moment of evolution, of development, of people's learning, so that we're not approaching it necessarily filled with fixed truths, but we're approaching it more in the spirit of inquiry in which we know that what we're thinking right now could potentially be informed by something someone else says or thinks or has experienced that we haven't. There, there's a kind of an openness within the integral framework that because we have an evolutionary lens that is super helpful. Yes. Yeah, We know that we're in an evolving system. Exactly. And so why would we want to contract around even our own ideology? Because Precisely. we know that it, you know, the idea here is to grow it. And mm -hmm. we grow it by listening to other people and, and, and making this really important shift that, you know, I feel like I just learned about here in my, in my 60s. But to go into... I know, into, we learn it over and over. Don't I we? know, you know. We, we, mm -hmm. to, but to go into a conversation not with the idea of influencing, although mm -hmm. that can be there, but of the idea of being influenced by. Yeah. I think what we can also say is that when we use a de developmental model, that... Whereas asserting truths is a developmental hallmark that we see in young children and we see in young adults and they're trying to get certain about things. But as we grow and change, we're open to other perspectives. We start to take a perspective on our own perspective, which is quite amazing in itself. And then we're able to start seeking perspectives because we're more at home in this kind of, I mean, Trungpa Rinpoche used to say, you know, the 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 bad news is that we're in a free fall, you know, <laughs> and the good news is there's no bottom. Right. And so getting kind of used to that sensation that, oh, we don't have to cling to a particular truth or perspective in order to feel secure, but we can actually kind of let the bottom drop out a little bit. Yeah. So those are another, another, um, it's a, it's a developmental thing to really be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And when you do, you can have a flavor of that liberation mm -hmm. at the end of that conversation. Or, you Absolutely. Know, yeah. 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 So um, you wrote this book. This, it's now coming out. It's available now, I'm assuming. Well, actually, to be honest, uh, because of the, the pandemic, the electronic version will be released in one month from now, okay. May 20, 22nd. Right now, it's pre-order on Amazon if you, or you can go to the Shambhala website and then, but because of the, the way things are shipping in warehouses and storage right now, the hard copy won't be released till July. Oh, okay. So if people want that hard copy, they're going to have to wait for a few months until the toilet papers hopefully <laughs> moved out. And there's we have our rubber. priorities. Diane. Yeah, yeah. Amazon literally has, has reprioritized what's being shipped Yeah, and yeah. books have moved down. On yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about how you came to write this book, your uh, collaborators who are very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, uh, you know, maybe just a basic frame for how you're presenting this compassionate conversation. Well, you know, again, I think for you, for you and me and your listeners, you know, if we think about the conversations that we're in right this moment, you know, we're in, we're in conversations that are quite different than they were three, four months ago in the sense that, you know, we're thinking about health and wellness and we're thinking about vulnerability and protection. And we're also thinking about the economy and um, 
you know, trying to balance values of health and well-being with values of letting, you know, people earning a living, right? So it's a very profound conversation. Well, at the time that Shambhala approached me about writing this book, many of us were engaged in conversations around racial justice, around, you know, equity and questions of diversity and gender relations and non-conforming gender and um, issues related to, you know, just all of the kind of difficult conversations that kind of correlate a lot of times to identity um, and that demand certain kinds of awareness and maybe an ear that's tuned to some degree to political correctness. And then that starts to feel really oppressive, but people are engaged in these conversations. And so Shambhala approached me and asked me if I would be willing to write a book related to these more challenging conversations that people were having. And I think at first there was sort of the sense that I could maybe talk about how to maybe possibly combat racism or possibly how we should could understand our perspectives more related to gender or these other kinds of things. But basically what I said is what I can do is I can offer a skill set that um, people can use in any conversation that's difficult. And so it isn't a book about those topics, but it's a book will, that will help you deal with more difficult conversations, whether it's politics or religion or whatever it happens to be. This is a book that has a lot of skills and perspectives that hopefully will help with that. And But I did engage Gabe Wilson and Kimberly Lowe, my co-authors. Gabe is, he's biracial. His father's African-American. His mother is uh, Brazilian. She's from Rio. She's white. Um, his father's from St. Louis. Obviously, he's black. And Kim, interestingly enough, is, um, she's a citizen of the UK, but she's of Chinese descent. And her her home life has, um, I mean, her Asian identity, she grew up in, spent a lot of time in Singapore. Her mother's relatives are in Singapore and she spent time in China later, but she's Chinese fundamentally. And I thought it would be really good to have both younger perspectives because these things are changing and they're both in their thirties and then perspectives that take, you know, different ethnicities, different race, different cultural perspectives. I felt like we'd bring more to the table as a threesome than we would with just me and my little point of view over here in the Rocky mountains. So that's how I engaged them. Well, and you three work together, right? And yeah. Did um, I mean you in the lion's den, if I may say, yes, uh, you went into doing diversity training Mm -hmm. and again, with your own style Mm of, Bringing things to a painful point first. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah, it's very important to me to, and, and I used, to, you know, I did quite a lot of diversity training and quite a lot of what back in the day we called cultural competency and race relations when I was in my 30s and 40s. And then while I was working with you at Integral Institute, I kind of stopped doing all that work. And then as I integrated integral into my facilitation work of course these topics came back up and there was a need or an interest in doing that and so Gabe and I framed a training called freedom and fairness in which we we attempted to start to have these more difficult conversations and really be real with one another about what we experience around our identity and our um, our different views of what's true around all this and so yeah and then getting basically really inviting people to be real is how do, you, how do you invite authenticity that results in greater awareness and compassion as opposed to 
everybody drawing a line in the sand. So yeah. that's really what we've been doing. Yeah. yeah. And how has that, what have you learned there? Um, and how have you seen that changed? One thing that I've seen change is I've seen far more people in positions of power who may have a, a, a you might, we might call it, for lack of a better word, a more privileged or majority perspective, um, be interested. So that's a big change. I mean, when I was working for the court system and we were doing this kind of work, it was a little bit of insisting that court employees actually think about these topics because the court, of course, is a, it, it is the forum in culture where people come to be treated fairly. And yet one of the things that we've discovered is even with legislation for equality, that all the hidden biases um, actually are still at work. And so unless we do both external work, legislation and policy work, and we also do internal work and help people become aware of their biases and look more deeply into how our biases are hidden and outside of our awareness that we actually still enact much of that. I mean, I was listening this morning, a program in which uh, I think it was just on, on the radio on NPR or something around the difference for you and I to put on a mask than a black man and whether the black man has status and culture as a physician or as actually somebody who's working class or possibly even homeless, it is not the same experience. It just isn't, you know, they're treated extremely differently and they have to cope with that. And it, it's helpful for us to understand that, that it, they're not having the same experience we are. Yeah. And um, so back to my point, what I've seen change is far, far greater interest. In other words, people are really growing in their interest around this than when I first began. So that's an upside. I'd say one of the downsides that I've seen is um, people need to, to learn that we can take strong stances. We can be self-righteously angry. We can be advocates without necessarily closing off to one another. And I think I've seen like this whole cancel culture, like you make one error now and people cancel you, you know, you, you wear the wrong clothing or you're con somebody accuses you of cultural appropriation. And these are lots of the effects of the internet and you break one of these rules around political correctness or whatever, and you're just canceled and cast out. And to me, that is extreme. I don't quite understand how that got into the culture, except that it seems really black and white. Yeah. Um, us and uh, them kind of quality. So I've seen it get more extreme yeah, in some ways. It, it, in yeah. a way, it seems like if you, if you think of evolution as being the process of differentiation and integration. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's just the engine of evolution. Mm -hmm. um, that th it's sort of the downside of di differentiation. I and guess it, it is, it, where it, it just it, becomes, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's like the upside of, the, of, of, differ, of, of this is that, as you say, more and more people are interested in it. Yes. I mean, there's actually a move into green. Yes, In the precisely. sense that powerful people, people who, mm -hmm. you know, were yep. privileged and blind, yep. want to get into this. That there's yep, a pull do. into this. And this is a beautiful, yeah, They understand move. that it's not, it's not changing as much as it needs to. And yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely. Yep. And so then what we're uncovering then as we do this is that, yeah, we, we did the integration thing with the Civil Rights Act and the laws are changed and the exteriors. Exactly, the right-hand quadrants. We did work yeah. in the right-hand quadrants we and now we're having the, to do it on the left. Exactly. Yeah. And Absolutely. so once we, you know, surface that, mm -hmm. uh, then we see that there's a whole new can of worms. Absolutely. And, um, and you know, it's, 
not pretty. No, it's difficult. You know, there's overreactions and there's, um, you know, counter reactions. And we get more polarized, actually, mm-hmm. because that polarization is another way of talking about differentiation. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, absolutely. Then, and, then, and then we move into the integration, which is, I think, what you're doing with this book. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. It's I'm trying to actually create enough latitude and at the same time, some depth and some real heartfulness. And so that people can actually, you know, that you and I could talk about gender or that you and I could talk about the experience of being straight and gay and just ask, be curious about what our respective experiences are and how are we both bound. And that is not to, you know, that's not to create a flatland. I, in no way is my experience the same as someone who grows up with brown skin or black skin in the inner city. I'm just treated really differently by, let's just say police. You know, these are these are common kinds of things. But on the other hand, can we actually understand each other? Do we have enough commonality as a human being that we can prepare sort of a groundwork for our exchange? Yeah. Even if we don't see the world the same way, there's still so much that we can join around. Yeah. So much that we have in common, oh, you know. Yeah, totally. And that's a practice in and of itself is to actually look at people. And just as we, in meditation, we mm-hmm. sort of, uh, deconstruct the conditioned mind. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we look at another person and we're, you know, we see race, we see age, we see gender, we see all mm-hmm. kinds of things. Yeah. We but see then social we status s- of all kinds, roles, we see roles, we see yes. family then, origin stuff, we see culture, yeah. we see so much. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and as we do that practice, we see finally just you. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Look, at, look at you, yeah. you know, yeah. and look at me. Yeah. And you mentioned Trumpa. What if the, the, the poignant um, observations he made that's always stuck with me is if you look at another person mm-hmm. and really see them beyond the conditioned mind, there's only one appropriate response. And that is, oh, <laughs> You're so vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Yeah, just uh, this poignant, oh my goodness. All right, let's it's challenge not ourselves. Easy. It's not easy. Can we do, do that with can we do that with President Trump right now? You and um, I I can. Yeah. I actually can. I mean I not I, I I I can't stably do it, but sure. I mean I can do it if he'll stop telling people if, too. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it if he'll stop telling people to drink Lysol. I can oh, I, I can see you with an open, compassionate heart. Just don't tell people about the disinfectant. <laughs> Just you don't the think bleach. that should be? We got to integrate that into our new I, integration. I I think we got to make some <laughs> distinctions here. And you know, in the right hand quadrant, Lysol oh, is not good on the interior. I, Let's just. I think that, that definitely was a quadrant <laughs> conflation there. <laughs> Clean yourself out, but not, not literally. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, if we're talking about the culture wars, we, if we're going to have an integration, um, we have to, and this is Green's, to the degree that greed is stuck in green, yes. that is, it is uh, monoperspectival mm-hmm. in that it thinks that its uh, worldview of pluralism and all of the good stuff of interiority, psychology, all of it, is the only right way. Mm-hmm. then it becomes totalitarian. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, you know, that's the problem. So that uh, Green can talk about inclusivity, but it doesn't include Trump people. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah my family. 
Yeah. What is great about pluralism is that it actually is interested in the genuine subjective experience of everyone, including anybody who's in a marginalized role. Um, and then it proceeds to exclude anybody that doesn't have that same interest. Yeah. I mean, that's, but it's practicing multiple perspectives. This is the first time that we're actually practicing being able to hold this, but it isn't, as I understand it, until people reach second tier or level of integral, they actually can do it. You can actually see the true and partial perspective, you know, of somebody from a red state and really kind of get where they're coming from. Yeah. And get the part of the truth that they have that you don't. Yes. Actually. Yeah, you know, the, the, yeah. you know, whatever, it, you know, patriotism, uh, you know, what's good about, um, uh, you know, God and country mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that needs to be part of a new integration, because this is one of the problems with, you know, green and progressives in general uh, is that they're depressed. <laughs> and it, 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 it's, you know, the, the, they the are. green is, is based on what they call, you know, critical theory and philosophy, which is, yeah. God bless it. It yeah. comes on to critique, you know, all of the totalitarian worldviews of the past. Well, actually, I, I had that experience recently, which was I was listening to Bernie Sanders, and then there was an interview with uh, Alexandria... AOC. Yeah, Ocosia Cortez. Yeah, on in on the New York Times. And I was just interested in listening to them. And I realized in listening to both of them, there isn't anything that they say that I disagree with. Where where I part ways is that I never hear them say anything positive. Yes. I don't hear them say what's working. Nope. I don't hear them talk about anything positive that's actually happened. I don't hear that, well, we might be doing this well, but we need to improve here or here are the corporations that actually are making a contribution versus the ones who aren't. It's just, everything is wrong. Everything needs to change. People are being treated terribly. The corporate class is actually ruining the world. And I just can't see the world in those kind of black and white. Struggles, well, I just can't. Yeah, nor can about 70% of the population, mm-hmm. about 30% maybe do. Yeah. And so if you like Trump, that's how you get more Trump. Yep. And that's one of the things that I see in progressive culture in general, even related to this COVID, mm-hmm. uh, is that, you know, I think of MSNBC as the fear channel and Fox as the hope channel. They're both oh. offering false, one's offering false hope, one's offering mm-hmm. false fear. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, and I'm afraid there's, um, you know, only so many people can buy that just sort of energetically. Yeah, just day in and day out, yeah. just a steady diet of, yeah. look, you know, look how terrible it is, and yeah. a steady diet of things are great. I mean, that's what you hear Trump do, right? There's no complexity yeah. <laughs> in his, you just, I'm great, we're great, it's all yeah. great, yeah. we're great. Yep. Don't worry, I'll take care of you, ish. Although he doesn't ever really say that, right? But but it's just What's this big one, daddy? yeah. So, mm-hmm. so okay. So looking through your book, mm-hmm. um, and by the way, Ken wrote an incredible foreword. I and loved it. Did you look? Did you read it? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, um, and I felt so. Um, I just thought it was so generous. I asked him just to write an endorsement and he wrote 10 pages and yeah. 
And, and basically what I felt like he did for the book was he actually created a coherent forward that shows the integral wave throughout the book. Because yep. one of my concerns, of course, is that for some people, it's going to be too um, soft. And for other people, it's going to be too hard. And for yep. other people, it's going to be not complex enough. And for some people, it'll be, it's uh, too complex. So there's always that, you know, you, I know with this particular topic in this audience that people's reactions are going to, there's going to be a range and it isn't yep. going to be simply straightforward like my other two books because I'm trying to grapple with some of these more difficult topics. Yeah. Bit. Well, that's kind of uh, occupational hazard of integral is that it, yeah. because it's not totalitarian in either side. Yeah, it, it's exactly. It's by both sides. It's too tough. It's not tough enough, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I love what Ken wrote, if I may. Um, yeah, please. Read, read yeah, a bit. Be great. Um, yeah. yeah, he talks about these three stages of development that make up the culture war: the traditionalists, the modernists, and postmodernist progressives. Mm -hmm. And um, he he talks. He says, in various forms, these are indeed the three most widely contested values in the culture wars. Mm -hmm. But what none of these values offers is an integrated or cosmocentric viewpoint, which can indeed integrate or unify all of them. That is the fundamental perspective of this book. And by adopting this bigger picture, that makes room for all of them. The authors are able to successfully facilitate the many battles between each of them. This is part of their unifying framework or bigger picture, and it does indeed make room for all. And I love that. Yeah. 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 I really, really appreciated his, his framing it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things we're doing, if we look at the evolution moving into integral from green postmodern, we're going to move there in first, first person, second person, and third person. So we're going to have a new view that includes the best of what's previous. But there's mm -hmm. also going to be a new we space. Yes. Mm -hmm. And a we space in integral is its own thing. It's made mm -hmm. up of you and me, but ontologically, it actually has its own... Mm -hmm. identity mm -hmm. its own it's its own thing mm -hmm. and so we have to actually evolve in that um <clears throat> in that realm too mm -hmm. and i often wonder what's it going to be like to have a relationship at integral you know where we speak a deeper truth to each other where we become ever more sensitive this is you know green continues to grow mm -hmm. into integral yeah you know absolutely um i think we laugh a lot more <laughs> i think we laugh a lot more too yeah. You know, yeah. And we, and we sort of, you know, there's maybe possibly, you know, a little, a little more willingness to balance um, our assertions with our receptivity, our willingness to surrender our perspective. There might be more humility, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. What I love about your book is that you don't necessarily say what that is is going to look like although you 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 know just like you just did there we there's some things that we know are going to be true mm -hmm. but you sort of give us the process mm -hmm. of dealing with it mm -hmm. and the the you know sort of the the, the practice itself uh, of getting us there mm -hmm. and so what i wanted to have you talk about a little bit is like difficult conversations with mm -hmm. my spouse or a friend or family member. Uh, I have an I space. I have, there's a you space. There's this we space. Mm -hmm. We listen. We, you know, what, how do we approach that? 
Well, let's, let's start with the body because I think one of the, one of my things that I've learned that I think helped a lot with being at Integral Institute is we put a lot of emphasis naturally. I think it's happening in culture on our somatic experience, like what's actually going on in the body and what's the relationship of body and mind. And one of the things in the work that I do as a facilitator and as a conflict resolution person is I I'm always feeling a lot about what's actually happening in my nervous system and in the nervous systems of others. And there's a funny way that the nervous system is very binary. And what I mean by that is that if it's relaxed and doesn't feel threatened, if it feels good, we can listen, we can hear other perspectives, we can access multiple truths, but the minute we feel threatened, all of that becomes difficult. So we have the fight or flight response, we have the, um, you know, the presence of cortisol, of adrenaline. Whenever there's a, a threat, you know, even if it's the threat is simply something like, I don't agree with what you're saying, that contraction and that kind of sense that something's wrong and bad starts to set in and everybody starts to drink a little cocktail of stress hormones. And when that starts to happen, the whole room changes. And so we really need to understand the difference in our own body in a, what it feels like when we're relaxed and open and what can happen and what happens as soon as we're threatened. Because in a way for me as a facilitator, it's a little bit like acupuncture in the sense that that when a system is too tense, it has to be relaxed. You have to soothe it. And when a, when a system is too relaxed, it has to be stimulated. So in a certain way, when you were talking at the beginning of the call about how I would you know, bring everybody together and then kind of pull the cork off, in a way that was to enliven the system. Like what's actually, what do we really think about this? You know, we, what, are, what are our, you know, I remember we had a, a conversation which was quite a remarkable one with some, transgender members of the integral community where we we were just all really frank around something that was new to many of us in our experience and the awkwardness and the sometimes uncomfortable quality and kind of confessing that and then our transgender friends just really listening and receiving and then and basically kind of talking about what their experience was and then we went back and forth and by the end we were we were in that state of just kind of mutual appreciation and sort of I remember um one person saying, you know, I don't expect you to get it right. I haven't gotten it right. And I felt like well, that was the thing we all joined in in that moment yeah. is that none of us felt like we could do it quite right. <clears throat> well, is, let's just pause there. Mm -hmm. Even sure. that kind of an orientation when you're going to have a difficult conversation with your spouse. Mm -hmm. yeah. you know, I, I'm not sure I know what is going on here or what we need yeah. to do, yeah. but I approached, you know, here I am. Here I am, and I'm relaxed, and here's what I'd like to share. Asking questions from that relaxed place. What do you think? What do you feel? And then when you feel the defensiveness start to set in, that's when you notice it. Well, that's when it gets scary, and that's when it was scary with you, too. I always, right? And I, yeah, and I'd want to run. Yes, because it's just literally what the body feels like, because once that happens, when you, once your heart starts to palpitate and you feel those sensations, everything in you wants to run. Your entire evolutionary intelligence is online then. That's not Jeff just being, you know, scared. That's like the way human beings have survived or through those sensations. Yeah. And so you have to kind of be able to cope with those for a little while until, again, the system yeah. starts to relax because difference is exciting and sameness is soothing.
that's the that's the thing. So you got to have enough sameness, enough commonality, enough. Well, let's just both try and relax a little here and see if we can listen to one another's perspectives. Okay, I notice I'm getting really identified right now, and I feel very threatened about what you're saying right now. Um, so what is the what part of me can find some partial truth in what you're saying? Right. You know. Yeah. So listening with the learning to listen to the body is really important because we engage yeah. these conversations when we're defensive and nothing good is going on usually. Well, in just the uh, awareness itself mm-hmm. of, you know, it's like moving from unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence <laughs> Yeah. in the sense that, okay, <laughs> yeah. I am flooded with cortisol. Yes. I know what this feels like. Yeah. My hands I know are what trembling. it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you might even say that. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, I, we say I'm triggered, but triggered still makes it seem like it's psychological. This is physiological. Yeah, and triggered also implies that the other person pulled the trigger. Yes, exactly. And let's not go there yet. No, 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 <laughs> you know, yeah. no. No, and also I think then if we talk about the midbrain, so that's the, you know, we have this trying brain, right? And the oldest part of the brain is simply fight, flight, craving, and relaxation, simple, you know almost, as I said, just really binary. But then when you add the limbic system in there and the mammalian brain, the middle brain, midbrain, uh, all of the complexity of our emotions are housed there. Apparently it has to do with human bonding. You know, we have jealousy there. We have pride. We have all these other experiences related to who we are as primates in relationship to other, you know, we give birth to live young, we bond, we separate. And so whenever there is a strong emotional quality in the room because of limbic resonance, everybody feels it. And so you can't just keep talking when anger is pervading the space. You've got to drop in and relate to the anger. Hey, I noticed that we're getting really pissed. Should we keep going and just get really mad at each other? Or should we dial it back a little bit? Well, I don't want to do what you want to do. Quit telling me what to do. Okay, then let's just get mad. You know, you have to include the emotions as well. Yeah. I've never seen anybody do it like you, Di. In front of a groom, it's like watching a maestro. <laughs> Thank I'll tell you. you. Yeah. It's all it's you all have born such of... sensitivity to it. I do. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I'm glad I, you, you know, you sort of distill it into a book for, you know, just regular old conversations. But what a but what a what a life's work that I have yeah. to be in the middle of awful difficult conversations with people all the time out. I know. I remember, you know, I was, I was thinking about this with this COVID thing and Mm -hmm. how we're balancing, you know, uh, economics versus health. Those two right there. And how you would do this lifeboat exercise (laughs) where you'd put 12 people in a, we still boat. do that. I know. Oh my God. And they'd have to decide who they were going to throw off. No, 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 no. They'd have to decide if, whether or not they were going to stay. They made their Voluntary, own yeah. choice. We, did, we, we changed all the ground rules and it had to do with you being fully who you are right now and being supported in your choice and what a different experience it was whenever, yeah. but it was, it was harrowing. Yeah. I agree. Oh, we it had was, some wonderful times with that. Yeah. We always, we ended up usually in good places. I, someone was asking me about that the other day and telling me they, they were sort of saying that it's kind of a crazy wisdom approach. And I said, you know, I haven't had too many things go off the rails, honestly. Yeah. Like we, we always find our way through. Yeah. So there are yeah. moments where I feel like it's gone off the rails. For yeah. sure. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. and with uh, our conversations and with our uh, conflicts with uh, our, our, our people in our lives as well, sometimes yeah. it does go off the rails. Yeah, sometimes it does. Yep. Yeah. But we recover. We come back. Human beings are nothing if not resilient. And uh-huh. we're using the language of anti-fragility these days. And, uh-huh. you know, that, that we we don't just return to homeostasis. We're, we're stronger because of these forays. But I do think people need to get very sensitive about their body. They do need to practice listening skills and understand how in the moment when things are tense, all you got to do if you want to calm mm-hmm. things down is just reflectively listen. It is golden. Really? And yes, absolutely. Where you, uh, in a way, recite back what they said. Yeah. Or, yeah. You just basically hear it. Like if all of a sudden things, uh, if things are getting heated and the bodies are getting intense, the minute one person says, let me just reflect what I think I heard you say, and really means it, then all of a sudden, the receptivity comes online, there's relaxation that sets in, and it's almost impossible for the other person to, there are occasional examples where people will stay excited, but usually bringing that listening in calms people down. It just does. Yeah, that's what it does. Yeah. And that, you know, it, it even gets to the cultural issue of, you know, when we have worldviews difference, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. one's God and country and one's plural, world-centric pluralism and all of that yep. sort of thing, mm-hmm. it's, it's literally threatening to mm-hmm. let the other one in. Absolutely. Because it negates yours. We can only hold one truth until yeah, we could, become integral and that can actually hold multiple truths. Yeah. People have been practicing and learning receptive listening skills now are called active listening skills probably for 40 years right and i don't see people using them using it all that skillfully i see some people with their their formulas but not not real genuine kind of i tell people that there's a lot in meditation and listening that are the same so trunkpa talks about a free fall well, if you and I are in an argument and I see that it's getting heated and I know my option right now is to do one of two things. I can either continue to assert or I can set my truth aside for a moment and I can say, okay, Jeff, all right, let me just, I just want to reflect what I've heard you say. So what I heard you say just now is that it's important to you to have time to yourself and that my continually seeking to communicate when you need downtime isn't helpful for you. If I can actually hold that truth and reflect it back to you, there's no way you can stay mad. Right. Exactly. Not possible. Yeah. It's, it's true, isn't it? It's just the physics yeah. of the we space. It is. It's absolutely physics. Yeah. But they energetic. got to know that you really got it. Yeah. And they believe me, we're so sensitive to each other. We know. Yeah. We know when we're being worked. We know when someone's just shining us on. Yep. We know when it's actually sarcastic. Let me just take your point of view for a minute, Jeff, because that's what I always do. Because you <laughs> oh, won't so do you're it. saying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it's hard to do. I mean, I notice sometimes I, I can do it, but I won't. <laughs> you know, I'm fighting with my mom. You know, my mom's 85. You know, she's telling me that I need to do this or that, and I'm like. <laughs> You know, I just refuse. Yes. So we have to become aware of our body. We have to start to attend to these moments of intensity versus moments of relaxation. We know that listening always creates more relaxation. And we know that bringing out our authenticity and our differences is always going to create excitement. So sometimes bring it out because that's exactly what we need is actually to get more excitement in the Mm -hmm. system. And sometimes 
you know, just dial it back. Maybe difference yeah. isn't what's needed right now. It yeah. doesn't mean that we all have to remain in this complacent sort of boring yeah. status quo of never, never interfering with each other. Yeah. That's not real. Well, I like that because I do think that some of us are just dispositionally, uh, you know, we overemphasize harmony. Yeah, for sure. I think we all, I mean, I used to teach at the U. I taught conflict resolution at the university up here and I would ex- I'd explore conflict styles of avoidance and accommodation and competitiveness, sort of three basic styles that interestingly enough correspond to the three poisons in Buddhism. So avoidance is ignorance, right? Accommodation yeah. is clinging. And then um, uh, competitiveness is aggression. So you try to hold on to things or you try to push things away. And probably 60 to 70% of the students told me that they felt too accommodating, mm-hmm. that, that yeah. there's just too much emphasis yeah. really on getting along and that they wanted to be able to bring out their differences yeah. more. But it was scary because they didn't know how and they'd never had anybody model it successfully. Yeah. They didn't want to hurt people. They didn't want to create a lot of difficulty in relationships. But they didn't feel confident to do that. So that's part of what I tried to do is work with them around, you know, growing our ability to tolerate our differences because our nervous system gets excited, mm-hmm. you know? And so we tend to flatten it out because we don't want to feel those sensations. But when you get used to those sensations, you yeah. can start to appreciate it more. Yeah. Scott Peck used to talk about how conflict was the way we moved from pseudo community to real community. Absolutely. Yeah. And evolution, it's how evolution works. Yeah. It's like the... The brain sends out new and different neural pathways, and then those new and different neural pathways get integrated. That's just how we evolve. Yeah. yeah. So these perspectives and culture are important, but we have to learn how to inhabit them and occupy them, and not bludgeon one another with them, which is what happens a lot. Mm-hmm. So you talk about, um, and this is where I again, love what you're doing. And I think it's integral versus green in, in that you talk about sort of the uh, builded resilience of people, mm-hmm. the, you know, uh, the wholeheartedness. Mm-hmm. Totally. As I mean, a, there's so much emphasis on everyone's sensitivity now, everyone, you know, microaggressions and people being triggered and needing safe spaces. Well, that's one side of the equation. The other side of the equation is we're, super resilient. We're super tough. We've lived through world wars for Christ's sakes. It's like, you know, you can say something that hurts my feelings for a minute or offends me and I can get over it. That's actually also true. You know? Yeah. So I think sometimes, sometimes the emphasis on trauma these days gets, I mean, I really appreciate it. Let me be clear. I love the work that's being done with the body and recognizing trauma and recognizing how it incapacitates people to kind of return to homeostasis in an, in a, kind of a straightforward fashion they get get in body mind loops but i think then the then the sense that we're all easily traumatized and then i start hearing language mm-hmm. in groups where we're having a conversation and people will say that they're you know that something was abusive and i'll be like what are you talking about abusive like the language just gets so overblown would you yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. And, and this yeah. is the, you know, this is the where green over does it overreaches. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, in, in integral, we want to take the best of green and to know that actually that's going to continue. We're going yeah. to get ever more sensitive to microaggressions mm-hmm. yeah. because we want to, but we're just going to know each other better. Exactly. You know, and we're going to have a real integration that will continue. Mm-hmm. But, you, you know, and I guess it's inevitable, but 
green um, its mm -hmm. inability to see the worldviews of others mm -hmm. and appreciate them is there's blowback and welcome to evolution. Yeah, there's blowback against the blowback. That, mm -hmm. Yeah, know. yeah, precisely. So you always remind me of that. Actually, yeah. you're one of my you're one of my go-to people because I do have that tendency to feel like things are going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. And you remind me that evolution is beautiful, but it's not pretty. Yeah. Well, and it's it's what you say about the resilience. It's it's a relief, Di, to go into a conversation with somebody that I know I'm going to have a dueling worldview mm -hmm. and to not have to win. Yeah. <sighs> what a relief. What a relief. I mean, I was just the other night. There's a new building going up in town, and it's a little kooky, but I love it. And mm -hmm. my dear friend hates it. And when she said she hated, I felt myself get all like contracted because I was going to have to have this argument about, no, you shouldn't hate it. You should love it. Yes. And then I mm -hmm. thought, no, I don't. No. <laughs> or you could say, or but could. you could do it more consciously and say, hey, let's Absolutely. talk about why I hate it and you love it. Absolutely. I'm standing for loving it. Let me hear yeah. you. Let me hear you talk but about it, why you hate it so much. It's not reflexive. It's like I have choice. Yeah. And this is uh, choice is always the key to the city. And you know, one of the seeing things, it instead of being it. Exactly. And then one of the things that happens when you fully inhabit these perspectives, and this is, you know, part of the work that I do, of course, is when we fully inhabit the polarities, inevitably they flip. And she'll yeah. be talking about what she likes and you'll be saying, I, know. I just hate that part. I know. I know. <laughs> I'd be Chuck and I'll be watching a show and I'm loving it. He's kind of secretly hating it. And I'm still loving it, but then he'll tell me why I hated it. And it's like, oh, you're right. I hate it too. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. But you that's know, it's good. You know, you're including more. That's all. Yeah, because you don't have we, to love it or hate it. You can see all of it. Well, and you can let your perspective shift and change. And oh, you know, boy. it's like your identity isn't anchored to whether you love or hate a movie. You know, it's like, oh, things things could be more fluid. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're learning. As oh. you were talking about, use that word liberation. Yeah. In the beginning, it's like we're liberated from these, you know, crude but important ways in which we just substantiate our identity and our perspectives to the extent that you can't even be with yourself. You're, you know, you're so dogmatic. And, you know, that, that I mean, that is one of the problems that I see with this, the whole pluralistic wave. It's, it does so much correcting that's so great. And yet there's this fundamental experience that human life should never have proceeded in the way that it did. Yeah. You know, and how do you how do you deal with that? It's like, yeah, it's in, in Zen we say enlightenment is mistake after mistake. Yeah. Yeah. We that just fight and fail our way forward. Fight and fail our way forward. Yeah. You know. You know, an integral sensibility asks us to be a little friendlier to the arena, you know. Yeah. To the fight. Yeah. You know Absolutely. itself. The fight mm -hmm. itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, Di. Anything else we need to know? No, just we can all get better. We can all, we can, that's the one yeah. thing Integral teaches us is anything we want to grow and learn, we can. So yeah. if you're interested, please purchase. I'd yes. Like oh, yes. Let's plug the book again. Yes. Compassionate Conversations, now available for download on Amazon, hard copy in July, subhead. How to listen, how to speak and listen from the heart. How to speak and listen from the heart. All right. Well, all thank right. you, Diane Musho Hamilton. Thank you, Thank you, my you dear everybody. We'll Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining. Bye-bye.